This is KDXI St. George, Radio St. George at 100.3 FM. And we now present to you On the Arts, an hour of discussion and discovery about the arts in St. George and Southern Utah. And now your hosts for On the Arts, Michael and Christina Harding. Good afternoon, St. George. This is Michael Harding here with On the Arts. And again, uh, my wife, Christina, she does send her apologies. She's actually out there teaching some of the arts to some young folks in the community. Uh, So you're stuck with me, basically. And I want to let everybody know that you are indeed able to see what we look like here in the studio. If you're listening right now and you have this burning desire to see the handsome face behind this incredibly melodious voice, uh, you can check us out on Radio St. George on Facebook. We are broadcasting live, or just go to YouTube and type in On the Arts with Michael and Christina Harding. Um, You are going to see episodes on both of those that are archived uh, of our past three and a half seasons, I'm happy to say. We've interviewed a lot of folks, a lot of artists here in town of various mediums. Uh, We've had some dancers on, we've had ceramicists on, we've had actors and musicians and administrators, actually, of the arts and authors. It's been really eye-opening to see how much talent we actually have here in Southern Utah, especially here in St. George. And just to remind everybody, the purpose of this show is to blow the lid off of all of these little artistic secrets that we have around. We want to make sure that you know of all of the opportunities that are available to you, uh, whether it be to participate in the arts, whether you want to try something new. If there's something that you trained on as a kid, how many of us have taken piano lessons a long time ago? And you may want to bring back that skill, or you even want to go and just be an audience member and participate in as far as observing and being part of the crowd of the live arts or a group of people who are experiencing painting or ceramics or any of them, the many, many, many genres of art that we have around. Now, today, we have a special guest here in the studio, a first-time guest. And before I introduce this guest, I always like to start out with a little bit of a monologue, if you will, as I was mentioning earlier to my guest, Jenny Jones, the Artistic Director of St. George Dance Company. I'm an actor. I like to hear myself talk. So this is my opportunity. But today, of course, we're going to focus not on the theater, but on dance. And there's a particular story that I'm actually quite fond of, and I've actually written this into one of the plays that I've written as a playwright. And... It's a particularly powerful story to me about dance. When I was in college, of course, I had just decided I was going to be in the theater and I was going to be an actor, and uh, I was starting to make a lot of artistic friends. Of course, there was crossover between the theater department and the dance department. That's kind of inevitable, especially in a, a department that does musicals. And a lot of times, my circle of friends would cross over with other circles of friends from other mediums, if you will, musicians or dancers or or things of that sort. And I remember there was this one particular dancer named Shannon, and uh, she was in the same year as I was, and we never really worked together, but our circles collided a few times, and uh, I was at some parties sometimes where Shannon was there. Uh, Sometimes I would see her coming out of classes, and I'm going to be real honest. I did not care for her at all. Personality-wise, we were just oil and water. Uh, and I'm, I'm fairly certain she didn't care for me either. It was one of those situations where it was a person I knew I just was not going to like. Someone I knew I was not going to get along with. And as is the case with a lot of young 20-year-olds and late teens and such, we knew everything. So we knew that we were right. And I'll tell you, as repulsed as I was sometimes seeing her in public uh, with her personality and her energy and such, I was shocked because I went to the dance concert at our, my undergrad and uh, William and Mary in Virginia, and they had a dance company called Orcasis. And I remember going to support my friends who were in the dance department, and I was sitting out there and I was looking for Shannon. I was looking for her because I was like, she can't be that good of a dancer. My gosh, she's this incredibly irritating personality, and we just didn't get along. And I really did look for her all night long in all of these different numbers. And I didn't see her, and I was like, yeah, she's probably like second string or something like in in sports. And I will never forget the moment when I was watching the final number, and the final number was classical ballet, as I understand it. We'd seen a lot of different uh, uh, types of dancing and such. And I will never forget, there she was, center stage. And I realized that I had been watching her all night. 
And I was mesmerized by this dancer named Shannon, who I couldn't stand off stage. I really couldn't. But the reason I was mesmerized is because it, the only way I can describe it is she didn't even look like herself. She was transported and transported me somehow. I was watching a beautiful artist up there loving what she was doing. And of course, you know, she had her hair up and things of that sort. So it was a little different. But I actually had a very humbling experience with that, where I realized, oh my gosh, I was affected by the work and the artistry of this person that in regular life I wasn't giving her a chance at. And it was then that I started to appreciate. It was the beginning of my appreciation of what the arts are, what they can be, and what they can mean to us as artists, regardless of the genre in which we're practicing. And I'm embarrassed, not embarrassed, I, I'm sheepish to say that afterwards I actually did take a dance class because I was actually kind of uh, stunned by this. And she was the teacher's assistant in this class, the TA. And uh, boy, talk about eating some humble pie. Let's put it this way. I'm very confident as an actor on stage, as a dancer, to all of the audience members who have watched me dance, I apologize over the air. But anyhow, so it's my absolute pleasure to get to know other artists in the community, uh, regardless of what kind of art they practice. And I've mentioned before that I've become more and more familiar with dance through not only that kind of experience, but I've also had the pleasure of being a character actor with the Cedar City Junior Ballet and had the experience of watching dancers and how they work and how they put together their shows. And, and I've become much more open to getting to know the dancers in the community and such. I've had administrative responsibilities, the pleasure of sitting on the board of Cedar City Junior Ballet and getting to see it from that perspective, as well as watching my fellow teachers here at Dixie State University and how they go about teaching and expressing this art. So I want to let you know that being the background and the context of my perspective, I'd like to welcome to the studio Jenny Jones. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Gotcha. And could you get a little closer to the microphone yes, there? Yes, I can. Gotcha. We've got a little bit of uh, uh, some feedback going on. Uh, if you would take this mic, this other microphone over here and try talking into that one, see what happens. Is that better? That is much better. All right. uh, I'm actually feeling like I'm getting competent here in the radio <laughs> studio. But anyhow, Jenny, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. No problem at all. I, I have to tell you, I've been going over your biography, as I always tell my guests, I do do some research and some background, not in a creepy way, though. I have to <laughs> emphasize that to everybody. Uh, I don't really have to emphasize that, but it's probably a good idea. Um, and in looking at your resume and your biography here, you've actually done quite a bit of dance, not only here in Utah, but outside of Utah. Uh, you've gone and you've danced with some uh, professional companies outside of here. Let's go back to the very beginning. Okay. Jenny, how did dance start for you? Um, so actually, uh, ironically, the first time I told my mom I wanted to take a dance class, I was doing piano and I was a little bit late to the game, um, for most dancers. I started when I was about 10. And a lot of people think that you have to, to make it in dance. You have to start when you're like three years old, but really it's not till you're about nine, sometimes 10 that you really start learning the, the technique of dance. So luckily I made it in kind of by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> Right. But um, as I was saying, ironically, my mom, apparently, when I told her that I wanted to take dance, um, I remember she said I have to choose between piano or dance. And she thought I would for sure choose piano once she made me make that choice. And I was it was an easy choice for me. I wanted to do dance. So um, we went to a local studio um, just near my house and they told me that they require you to do at least one year of ballet. And so my mom again said, well, let's just do the ballet. And I was devastated because I thought I wanted to do, I think the name of the class was like jazz funk or something. And um, so anyway, I, I said, OK, I'll do the ballet class. And of course, I fell in love with ballet. And so that kind of became my love for a long time. I didn't get into modern until college. Got it. Uh, well, with dancing, did you have siblings who were into the arts as well or was it just you? No, I was the only dancer. So my older sister was a pianist. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that's also why my mom thought it was sort of this fleeting interest of mine. And of course, I ended up majoring in ballet. I mean, I just I took it all the way almost as probably as far as you can go. So, right. 
And then you said you transformed, not transformed, that isn't quite the word you used, uh, but you started looking into modern as opposed to ballet? Yeah, so um, I I grew up, um, I ended up, after that first studio, I ended up in a, a more classical ballet school, um, and ballet was my focus. And then in college, um, I went to the University of Utah and uh, majored in ballet. Um, so they required just a couple modern classes, and at that point, my my interest in modern was pretty minimal. I, I felt like ballet was the real, the real dance. (laughs) Um, and so, um, what happened was after I graduated, um, with my bachelor's in ballet, I, uh, found a really great teaching job in ballet and the school had a professional company that most of their teachers performed in. Um, and it was a modern company. Uh And so that's what kind of forced me in. And, and again, I fell in love with something that I thought I wouldn't want to do. Um, I, f- modern just opened this whole new world to me, the creative process, um, the fact that the dancers are actually involved in the creation of the work. That's something that I really um, clung on to the, with my first experience. Right. So. Yeah. Well, that's where I have heard, and this is something, like I said earlier, I know enough to be dangerous, but I don't know a whole lot uh, about this. I've heard that it's actually best to start with a classical basis. Is that the case? Yeah, I still feel pretty strongly that ballet is is the best way to train like your muscle memory to to gain the coordination and the awareness the alignment um i i think that ballet dancers um make great modern dancers if Mm -hmm. they can let some of that go so it gives you the foundation and then you learn to let it go so gotcha and you mentioned that you had a classical training and then you went and there was this modern company did you find any uh, roadblocks, if you will, or speed bumps going from style to style? Um, definitely. Um, I would say those first several years, I, like I said, you have to let go of all of that training, you know, all that core strengthening that you you did to hold yourself upright in ballet. And then all of a sudden in modern, they want you to curve your spine and they want you to throw your body. And so even though I felt like I was being really wild, I felt like I always got the feedback that I needed to let go more. And so even years into performing it and feeling like I was getting competent, I would still get that feedback from people. Right. Well, you say uh, you went to Colorado, actually. Is that what you're talking about, the company, or was that a different experience? That's a different experience. Sure. So um, I, my senior year of high school, I started um, – the University of Utah has a – uh, high school enrollment program. And so I would do half day at my high school and then I'd go do ballet at the University of Utah my senior year. Um, and so graduating from that, I actually got an apprenticeship with Colorado Ballet. So right out of high school, I, I moved to Denver, much to my mom's surprise again. <laughs> um, I moved to Denver and uh I danced with the company for for one season. Mm-hmm. Um, their apprenticeship program was amazing training. It was awesome. Um, but the hard thing was, though, they don't pay their apprentices. And so I got my point shoe allotment. That, <laughs> that part was covered. But I had to have a job in the mornings. I went to Einstein Bagels and sold bagels all morning and then went and danced all afternoon. And it was awesome, but it was hard work, too. Um, so at the end of that season... They weren't offering any of the apprentices um, paid positions. And so I decided to go back to the University of Utah and had a scholarship there. So I decided to go back to school and and regroup a little bit. And that was right out of high school. (laughs) It was, yeah. So it was a huge learning curve for me that whole year. What was it like going from an apprenticeship, yes, uh, in a professional company, back to a structured school setting? Was that... uh, hindering at all? Um, it was a little bit. Um, I In the company, you're just constantly performing. And so my first year back at the Uni- University of Utah, they didn't put me in the company that first year. And so I just had the one, I think we had like a student concert one semester and then a faculty concert the next semester. And so to not just be constantly rehearsing a show, um, that was definitely a change for me. I loved the faculty there, so I was happy to be back. Um, Colorado Ballet has a lot of Russian teachers. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was kind of a new uh, 
schooling style for me. And so it was nice to go back to the familiarity of, you know, the teaching (laughs) style a little bit. Um, So I would say, yeah, there was pros and cons, definitely. What's well, the image that comes to my mind whenever you talk about the Russian teachers? Maybe this is French. I'm not sure, but I imagine them with the staff and pounding out the rhythm on yes. the stage. And, um, <laughs> did uh, did you find a style more effective for you? The American and, and I'm making an assumption here. Please yeah. know that uh, the American kind of nurturing style of, of of training versus the Russian. You're going to do it right, or you're going to leave my studio. Yeah. Uh, do you find a <laughs> A tendency of liking? Yeah, so it, I I actually just remembered an experience. So before that, my a year before I moved to Denver, I went to Washington, D.C. for a summer, and I went to the Kirov Academy there. Right. So that one was definitely Russian. And um, so the teacher, she would speak a little bit of English, and then she would sometimes turn to the pianist, and he would interpret it for us. And she'd always turn to him when she was really frustrated with us. Right. And so we finally asked the pianist one day, are you actually saying to us in English what she's saying? And he said, well, Russian's a very harsh language. So <laughs> he's like, I soften it just a little. <laughs> so, Do it better. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that was my first experience with the Russian schooling. And it that one definitely was kind of like you imagine, the stick. <laughs> and I remember getting my leg hit a little, you know, to open it far farther or uh, to turn it out better. And sometimes I I would go, I have no idea what she's asking me to do, but she keeps, you know, and it was never abusive, but yeah, it was taps to get my leg to move or whatever. Love taps. Love taps. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would say American teachers, like you said, I think nurturing is a good word. There is a little bit more of that. I mean, Obviously, each teacher is going to have their own style, definitely. But um, the the Russian teachers I've had anyway have been a little bit more uh, strict, I guess. Got it. <laughs> well, that's actually something I've really appreciated in the the minimum or, or the minimal dance experience that I've actually had. Uh, Lisa Mills, uh, who I know from Cedar City, who runs uh-huh. the Cedar City Junior Ballet, along with her sister, Chris Mills, um, and also Dr. Lile. Uh, who used to be here at Dixie State, a uh, very good friend of mine as well. I learned from them about being strict with their dancers. And there are times when Lisa Mills, if you're listening, Lisa, this is said lovingly, you scare me just a little bit uh, in how what I consider to be harsh uh, uh, some of these teachers are with their students. And yet, in all of my experiences as a performer, as a musician, as an actor, I have never felt the love and trust that I have from a dance company for their coach as I have there. It's kind of like what I've always understood a drill sergeant's uh, relationship was with the troops. Yeah. Whatever. It's pretty amazing to me. Yeah, it is. And I think, I think part of that is because when you are, when you set the bar high for students, then, and they can reach your expectation or, or they at least feel like they're approaching that bar. That's so satisfying, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's self-efficacy, right? right? And so I think that um, that's where some of that trust comes from because you realize they can get you where you want to go. So I, I do appreciate strictness in teachers. Right. Well, that's a- another thing that amazed me about dancers and how those rehearsals work. I'm used to you have your script and you prepare your script and then you come in with a script and you find it with kind of like you were uh, describing modern dance. Um I was amazed. I went to the first rehearsal of Sleeping Beauty at Cedar City Junior Ballet. And I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. How are they going to block this? And she said, okay, let's go. And all of these dancers, I'm not kidding you, like the three and four-year-old dancers and the older dancers, um, Jenny Grimes, the, the you know, who are not the children, but you know, not to say anything, um, but to watch all of them, they just went on the floor and started doing Sleeping Beauty. And I asked Lisa, I was like, have they done this before? What is this? And she said, no, you get your choreography or you get the videos to watch if you're doing a classic version and you come in knowing it. And that actually was another humbling. Now that it, now that I think about it, all of my experience with dance has been humbling. Um, another humbling experience of the preparation and the discipline that yeah. goes into putting these productions together. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that is probably something that I, uh, gleaned from my experience with some of those teachers is just 
you go home and you review and you be ready for the next day because they're they're not going to talk you through it anymore. It's I always tell students, once I give you the choreography, it's yours. It's not my job to remember it anymore. Um, and that's nice because a lot of times I make it up right there on the spot and I'm like, now it's yours. And, uh-huh. I, you know, I, I have to let it go because I'm off to choreograph for another group after that. <laughs> well, it's, it, looking at your biography here, you actually have several teaching credits here, anywhere from Dixie State University, uh, which is, you know, an older student, uh, all the way down to elementary. Um, how does that work? <laughs> like you mentioned that you started late at 10. How does it work? Do you approach it differently with older students versus younger students or is technique technique? Yeah, um, definitely everyone has to start at the at the base, right? So no matter what age you're going to start, everyone's going to learn all the positions. You're going to learn plie. You're going to find the muscles that your um, that your turnout comes from. Um, this, of course, is talking about classical technique, right? Right. Um, a lot of times with younger students, though, you can start more with creative movement. And that's definitely something that has um, my love for that has grown a lot from modern dance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started, like I said, more with ballet. Um, and so I just learned the steps. Um, I've noticed that uh, with younger children, I've gained an appreciation for creative movement because I think it's important for them to just develop a love of moving and feel that connection to music. And you basically develop the artist in them at first Mm -hmm. until their brains are ready to care about how they do things. And I think that takes a couple years of um, just falling in love with movement and music first. Right. Well, that's I don't mean to. I don't know how else to put this, to animalize it. Uh, We're not talking about anthropology or anything like that. But I actually gained an appreciation a few years ago for dance, but also for the sport of boxing. And I am going to relate this, by the way. But I used to think that boxing was just beating the living daylights out of each other. You're up there and you just watch people throw in their gloves and people get hurt, and that was the match. And I was actually really amazed to find out that it's actually a very elegant sport with where they're learning the moves, they're training their muscles and what have you. And then what I'm watching there in the ring is not just brute attack. I'm watching these very elegant combinations happening. And when does that start? I'm not saying when do they start learning to box, but uh, <laughs> when does that start happening with students? You talk about having them find their artist and just fall in love with movement. How do you then start in incorporating the technique does it just change like that or so that's something I'm actually toying with right now um, I just started back teaching at Vista Charter School for Performing Arts and so I have three sons I have three boys uh-huh. and um, I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> and so when I went back to Vista I said I want to I want to create a curriculum that engages boys um, because I think that a lot of there's I think that in girls, I don't know if it's just our culture or if it's genuinely, you know, something that comes with gender, but it's pretty natural for girls to care about being pretty or at least in a in a dance class, you know, to care about lifting their chin and, you know, pulling in their tummy and pointing their toes sharp and um, I think, at least in my experience, boys are kind of like, why do I care <laughs> if my foot is pointed, you know? And so um, so I said, I, I want to find a way to, you know, teach dance technique, teach alignment, teach pointing feet, teach straight knees in a way that they don't even feel like that that's what they're learning. And so I've kind of started creating this play-based um, curriculum basically these little songs that um, I've made up and the kids have memorized them. And the win for me has been parents telling me that they see their kids practicing these at home because, of course, it's a little ditty that they remember. And so they end up doing it at home. So I'm basing it in things like um, when they lay on the floor and they kick their legs up, you know, they lay on their backs and they're kicking their legs. They're learning to keep their knees straight and their toes pointed, but it's because they're trying to shoot arrows. Right. right? So it's that kind of thing. Um, so these are first graders that I'm working with right now. And I'm sorry to interrupt you here. Uh, 
which is always the case here on this show. We get talking and uh, the time really does fly. Uh, we're about to end our first segment. Uh, my guest here, Jenny Jones, the Artistic Director of St. George Dance Company. And uh, we're going to continue talking about dance, about her as an artist, and about opportunities here in St. George. I don't mean to interrupt you, but we will continue this conversation in just a few moments. Stay tuned here for some news and some advertisements, and then we'll be back with On the Arts. Next time on your weekly constitutional, journalist David Kirby has seen lots of civil rights violations by lots of different government officials, and he writes about them in his new book, When They Come For You. It's a terrifying tale from all across this great nation of ours, but never fear. David Kirby has some concrete suggestions on what ordinary citizens can do to fight back. Join us. Your weekly constitutional, Saturday mornings at 10 on Radio St. George 100.3. Affogato Gourmet Coffee, a fine sponsor of DSU Radio. Affogato Gourmet Coffee offers gourmet coffee, smoothies, pastries, and keto-friendly offerings. Affogato Coffee with live music on Sundays. Coffee, hot chocolate, great company, and a funky environment. Behind Tropical Smoothies on 10th East and Red Hills Parkway. Affogato Gourmet Coffee. Washington City Community Center, all in one place. Parents' Night Out is on December 6th. Drop off your children between the ages of 3 and 12 for a fun kids' night so you can go out and enjoy some time kids-free. For more information, go to washingtoncity.org cc. Hola, te saluda Zoe y te invito a que nos escuches los lunes y los miércoles durante mi programa de 6 a 7 de la tarde, hora local, con música, noticias, invitados y más. Solo aquí en Radio St. George, 100.3 FM. This is Hannah with your Radio Dixie calendar for Tuesday, November 19th. From 12 to 1.30 p.m., International Student Services, Languages of the World is in the Gardner Living Room. From 4 to 5 p.m., Interview Like a Pro is in the Holland Building, Room 537. And from 7.30 to 9 p.m., there is a brass concert in Eccles 129. And that's your calendar on Radio Dixie 91.3. A service sponsored by the Dixie State University Student Association. Thank you. From Radio St. George at 100.3 FM. Welcome back to Radio St. George 100.3 with On the Arts. And now your hosts, Michael and Christina Hardy. And welcome back for our second segment uh, today, Tuesday, the 3rd. And we're talking to Jenny Jones, the Artistic Director of St. George Dance Company, as well as having quite a few other experiences as well that we're talking about. I do want to remind our listeners that if you'd like to see what we look like, you can certainly check us out on Radio St. George on Facebook, where we are right now broadcasting live the video of this interview. As well, please know that it will be archived. If you'd like to check this out later, check out Radio St. George on Facebook. Or you can check us out on YouTube. Just go to On the Arts with Michael and Christina Harding. It will be archived there as well. So we were talking, actually, about, imagine that on the radio, we were talking about how you're working with young boys, particularly, to introduce them to dance and to give them maybe a, uh, a vocabulary, if you will, about instead of pointing your foot, you're shooting arrows or, or things that might be interesting to them. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you had three boys of your own. Did you try this with your kids first? Are they your guinea pigs? Yeah, actually a little bit. Um, like I said, I'm right now I'm mostly building the curriculum with the first graders, and I actually have a first grader going to Vista. Um, so when I started creating these little songs, I was doing them all at home with him, and and um, it, he was he was pretty engaged. But actually, in the classroom setting, he's a lot more engaged. So that's been fun <laughs> to see. <laughs> gotcha. I guess having mom as the teacher. I think is, uh, he, yeah, I think he knows he has to toe the line. <laughs> no pun intended, toe the line yes. there. Well, that's where, what, uh, do you have any particular goals with this curriculum? Is this just something you're experimenting with you as an artist teacher? Or are you trying to develop a pedagogy? Yeah, I would really like it to be a pedagogy. Um, my goal is to create, so at Vista, they take dance for the first three years. Mm-hmm. Um, starting in fourth grade, they can choose between dance and music. And so um, my goal is that by by that third year, those dancers that choose to go on with with dance are ready to take on um, 
the actual ballet curriculum of the the upper grades. Got it. And it, say that there's a parent out there who notices that their child likes to move, not necessarily dance, but likes to move, or a child who has expressed interest in dance, how do they get started with this? Besides go to Vista. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so actually St. George has an amazing number of dance studios. Um, I think for the size of our community, I'm I'm pretty impressed with how many dance studios um, are able to be supported by Mm -hmm. the community. Um, So, and they each have their own strengths, and so I usually encourage people to decide what exactly they're looking for. Um, Some of the dance studios here focus on competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really something that some students will thrive in. They just love that um, element of it. Um, some, like I said, with the creative movement, you know, if they, if your dancer just loves to twirl and get lost in music, sometimes creative movement is a better way to start because the structure might bore them at first. Right. Um, and then, of course, there's ballet. I think generally with starting ballet at a, at a young age, I would say most of those students, they know that they want ballet. They kind of have an idea of what it is, you know. And um, so I I would probably start with researching the different dance studio options. Mm -hmm. And finding perhaps the personality of that studio. Yes. Most studios will let you take like a trial class. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a good idea to check out several places and get a feel for what your dancer actually thrives in. Gotcha. The, the purpose of this show, as I mentioned at the top, is to blow the lid off of all of these little artistic secrets. I have to tell you something that surprised me. I am not from Utah. I'm not native Utah. I'm, I'm coastal, if you will. Um, and I have been really surprised to find the abundance of, albeit small, uh, organizations here. A few episodes back, we were talking to folks from St. George Opera for Pete's sakes. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's an opera community here. And I agree with you. I've seen, I agree with you. You know what you're saying. Um, th- there's a multitude of dance possibilities here. Let's talk about St. George Dance Company. I don't know much about it. I'll be real honest with you. Um, what is it? How did it start? And what are you about? So St. George Dance Company um, actually was started by Summer Robertson. Um, she went away to New York for a while. She had her own company there. And um, when she moved back to St. George, she wanted to continue creating work. Um, the interesting thing here, like you said, there's a lot of talented people here. There's a lot of interest in the arts. And yet one of the great things about St. George, too, is that it's a great place to raise a family. And Mm -hmm. so, so many dancers here are also raising families. And so their time is really divided. And so um, what St. George Dance Company started with was actually like a choreography festival. Mm -hmm. Um, And so every year out at Tanner Amphitheater for a few years, um, Summer would just invite people to submit pieces. And so that sort of started this community of adult dancers that want to still be dancing but can't necessarily give the time to like a full-time professional mm-hmm. company. Um, so that was where it started and and I got involved at about that point. Um, and so Summer and then a couple other dancers, Rebecca Wainwright um, mm-hmm. and Mickey Brown, were uh, we kind of decided we wanted to do something a little more often than just that summer show. Right. And um, so that has developed now. Summer ended up getting our nonprofit status. I moved away for a, a few years. And so I just came back this year and ended up filling the the uh, artistic director position that Summer was ready to take a break from. Mm-hmm. And so I'm amazed at how much it's grown just in the last few years. Like I said, it's got its uh, nonprofit status. And so that's helped a lot with being able to get different grants and that sort of thing that once a year summer choreography festival has turned into the red rock dance festival which is a whole weekend of workshops Um, we bring in a a professional company from outside of utah Mm -hmm. Uh, so last year we had soul escape which is a company from texas Um, they did a show they put on the classes and then actually saint george dance company and the visiting company create one piece together and perform that Um, and then the the choreography festival part of it is actually adjudicated now, uh-huh. and there's cash prizes for the for the winners. There's an audience choice and a judge's choice, so um, that has grown a lot. And then St. George Dance Company itself, we do about two to three performances a year now. Got it. Yeah, that's actually I think very impressive with the fact that you are all balancing 
life yes. with this. <laughs> uh, and I want to emphasize that that's something that we can all do. I try to say it as many times as I can throughout the season. If you want to do some art, go out and do some art. Uh, give it a try. One of the heartbreaks of it and also one of the joys of it is that once you do it, it's done. Uh, you can go on and you can try the same thing again, but it's always going to be different. Along those lines, I have questions for you about when you're creating dance or chore- uh, choreographing dance. How do you maintain it? I know, for example, like the Rites of Spring mm-hmm. or something, you, you, that's a famous work of dance yeah. and people can recreate it when you talk about in these festivals where it's a choreography festival or even smaller groups when you're just choreographing a piece for them how do you archive it or do you archive it are you the author of that work yeah so generally if you create a piece so for example um if i'm hired to create a piece for a company um, they will, so they'll commission a piece, right? So I'll go, I'll create the piece for them. That is their piece. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the rights to perform it. Um, sometimes though, if they want to repeat that piece, then they need to pay the choreographer to come back and restage it, right? And right. clean it and have it ready to go. Um, so that can be handled differently, kind of depending on who the company is and what their budget is and that sort of thing. Um, Generally, that is one of the hard things about dance is that once it's been performed, you know, it's not something you can frame and hang on the wall and keep forever. Um, So luckily with video, that's changed a lot. Um, You know, centuries ago, they had to notate everything and try to recreate it just from from the notation. Um, So there will be times when you'll pull out old repertory and you'll uh, learn it from the video. Right. Um, And so, but yeah, generally you are, you're the author, you're the owner of your piece and people need to pay to have you come set it on their company. Got it. And you mentioned that St. George Dance Company really was an organization that was created for people who were interested in doing dance and such. And and by the way, Summer Belknap-Robertson? Yes. Okay. Uh Now, what I love about this show is I'm starting to understand and get to know the names that come up on my Facebook feed as people I might know. Uh, (laughs) I'm actually really excited to go, hey, I talked to a friend of yours now. Uh, Sorry, that was my own personal revelation there. But you mentioned that it was a group that got together for this. Now, you're pretty legit organization yeah doing arts and such how does a person get involved is this an audition process is this someone just saying hey i'm interested yeah so um there's a lot of ways to get involved we have community classes um so if you go to our website stgeorgedance.com mm-hmm. um there's a whole listing there of all of our classes that we have available that's a great way to just come get to know us kind of see um, if you're, especially if you're returning to dance to see how involved you want to get. Um, but if you are, you know, currently dancing and ready to perform, we do hold auditions right now. We're holding them twice a year because we're trying to, uh, structure the company a little bit more project based. Uh So the nice thing is dancers, like we said, where they're juggling family and career and these other things, they can come, um, they can audition for that project. The project will last from like six to 12 weeks. And then once they do that performance, then, you know, they're free to move on to whatever else they need to be doing. And and um, so far they return and audition, of course, for the next project. Right. So our next audition is going to be January 10th. Um, and we're doing a, a project in April. We're doing a tribute to the 20s. Very nice. And uh, I love Gershwin music. So that's a that's sort of my baby right now um, is to create uh, uh, just pieces all to Gershwin music. Um, and then we're going to do some that are based on 1920s literature. Gotcha. Very much like uh, what kind of literature are you looking at? Um, mostly I've been looking at, there's a, a lot of really amazing female authors. Mm-hmm. Um, from the 20s. And so I've mostly been just trying to pull little quotes, you know, that I just find inspiring. Um, They were surprisingly, I mean, I guess the 20s was not necessarily a a somber era by any means, but I'm I'm sometimes (laughs) surprised that a hundred years ago, these women were a little bit, um, I don't know if snarky is the word, but... (laughs) They weren't afraid to speak their minds, and I love that. So I, I, I've been pulling some of their, their little juicy tidbits. Right. Well, I'll tell you, this is uh, my nerdiness of uh, from a theater perspective more than anything. Um, but one of the, I think, exciting trends right now, yes, I'm always a fan of new work, always. Um, 
And there are a lot of really exciting playwrights today. But with a lot of social shifts, perhaps, I, I don't know what that is, we are looking back through history at some writers that weren't necessarily known. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, the snarkiness you talk about, I'm finding there's a lot of bold work that I had just never heard of, uh, in all honesty, with my education and such, that's really coming to light. All the way back to uh, the medieval ages um, and the dark ages and such, there was a nun named Rosvita. And, oh my gosh, she's got some, it, it, I know this isn't what you're talking about, but some dirty stuff. And <laughs> I'm actually really surprised at what they can get away with. And it's this whole vein of work that's just being discovered, which is actually kind of exciting, I think. Yes, yeah. Gotcha. So uh, with these classes that you offer at St. George Dance Company, I keep trying to say it as much as I can to get it out there. Um, how do you get into one of those? Can you just sign up? Do you have to audition for them? Or No, those are totally open classes. In fact, um, even our company class is open to the public. Mm-hmm. So if you want to take something a little more advanced, but you don't necessarily want to commit to a performance, we still love to have you come join us for a class. Um, if you do audition for a project, you get to take classes for free. Nice. Um, otherwise, we have a drop-in rate, or you can buy like a class punch card. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the classes are at Electric Theater. We're in the dance studio, which is kind of in the basement of the building. Um, so it's a really fun vibe in that right. building because all the musical theater groups are rehearsing their shows. We're rehearsing our shows. And so the Electric Theater, it's been fun to see that become sort of a hub for the right. city. Gotcha. And with these classes, of course, I'm looking for an advanced class. I don't have time to perform, but, you know, I'm looking <laughs> right. for the advanced class. One of the things that I'm loving hearing about St. George Dance Company, again, I threw it in there, um, is something that I love about Cedar City Junior Ballet. What I love about so many of these organizations, you truly are a community-based or for-the-community arts organization. And I want to emphasize, coming from a theater perspective, there's kind of a stigma about community theater. Um, there are a lot of parodies out there, a lot of stereotypes and things of that sort. What I've come to realize over the last 10 to 15 years, especially with Cedar City Junior Ballet and St. George Dance Company and such, there's a difference between the stereotypical community arts organization and one that's there to work with the community, for the community, to better the community. And it seems to me like what a wonderful offering St. George Dance Company is, offering classes, offering opportunities to perform. Of course, you must have some skill, I'm guessing. I don't know. I've performed in two ballets, so (laughs) that that may encourage some people out there. Um, Not for my dance skill. But I think that's wonderful that people have this opportunity. How much do these cost, uh, these classes, if you're not going to be performing in a project? Yeah, so the drop-in rate is $12 per mm-hmm. class, um, but if you get a punch card, you know what? I actually think I might be wrong on that. <laughs> That's okay. When we're in the organization. I think it's less than $12, so I'd rather guess high and have you be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> oh, gotcha. It says, I'm looking at your website right Perfect. now. Uh, it does say you can do five classes for $40, There actually. we go. For your punch card, it's going to be $8. Oh, there we go. So your individual class is $12, uh-huh. and it's only $8 a class if you do a five-class punch card. Gotcha. Thank you for checking on that. <laughs> That's all right. That's Like I said, we do our research yes. here. Uh, sometimes, if I can share share with uh, our listeners. Your name is Jenny Jones. Um, I was in communication with Rebecca Wainwright, uh, Wainwright, actually, about this, and we interviewed Sherilyn Davis not too long ago, actually. And they kept talking about, well, maybe you should talk to Jenny. Maybe you should talk to Jenny. And I know a dancer, Jenny Grimes, uh, from up north, who I, I, I feel bad saying danced with, because I didn't. I was on stage while she was dancing. <laughs> And uh, for the longest time, as, as we were communicating or I was sending a message, I thought I was talking to Jenny Grimes. And uh, you, you were so incredibly gracious uh, last night when you called and said, I'm not Jenny Grimes, but uh, I would like to be on the show. I'm just sharing an embarrassing moment uh, of my own there. She's a great dancer to be confused with. <laughs> and actually, I can't even remember how I got on that topic. I just felt like I needed to get it off my chest here on, on the air. Um, you've been in a lot of places dancing. You haven't just been here in Utah. You consider yourself, if I may quote uh, your biography, one of the lucky ones. Yeah. Being able to come back. Um, do you feel at all restricted here? Or what are your goals? Are you able to meet your goals? Is this totally fine? And are you able to really, going back to my first story, transcend 
reality? I yeah. Guess would be it. Or yeah. Uh, what is it like being a dancer here? So there's good and bad to um, being in a small community, of course. Um, what's surprising and unique about St. George is the great support for the arts. So mm-hmm. through the rap tax, um, that has completely transformed the opportunities here, I think. Um, I'm amazed at how many performances the musical theater companies can put on in a year. Oh, my word. Know? And it's blossomed. It yes. has exploded. Yes. Um, so I would say, if anything, what I feel like St. George Dance Company is lacking right now is numbers of dancers, mm-hmm. um, which is surprising. You know, it's interesting to go. We have these performing opportunities and we don't have enough dancers for it. Um, right now, uh, next weekend, actually, uh, a project that we're sponsoring is Hope of the World. Oh, got It's it. a dance uh-huh. nativity. And um, that is Lisa Clements and Andrea Clements. That's been their project. It's their second year doing it. And that's another mission of St. George Dance Company is to help support some of these um, projects and different choreographers that want to try to take something on. And uh, anyway, Lisa and I were talking about how sometimes it feels like you're begging people to to do a show, um, not because the content isn't great. It's just that people don't have the time because there are so many opportunities available. Right. Um, and so, you know, we've kind of said we need to figure out how to coordinate with the musical theater because they want our dancers, you right. know, and and we want their men. That's what we are always needing is more men. <laughs> and so. Uh, Excuse me. So uh, just uh, the opportunity is there because we actually have some funding because of that wrap tax. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the space. The electric theater is such an awesome gift from the city that they help subidize sponsoring that. Kind of an old timey um, theater. It's really yes, kind of quaint yeah, a and really wonderful. unique space. Yeah. yeah. And so um, there's some challenges, of course, with being in a smaller space, but uh, for me, I just love that I'm given the opportunity here to build something Right. where I think in a larger city, I would be a dancer, you know, and I would be doing some really cool shows, but not feel like it's my baby to raise, you right. know? And so that's been really inspiring for me. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot yeah. just a little bit here. And if you're, if you feel like you can't answer, that's totally fine. Uh, you came in and took over for Summer Belknap. I'm keeping that name in my yeah. mind because when she comes up on my Facebook feed again, I'll, I'll know what's going on. Um, are you looking to stick around to build this to something more? Is this something that uh, is scratching an itch right now for a while? or No. Um, so when we came back to St. George, my husband and I were in Mesa. Um, we actually moved to Mesa to do a Neaters franchise for a few years. How fun. Yes. It was, a, it was a great adventure for us, but he's from here. And ironically, when we were dating, I said I wasn't going to stay in St. George because at that time I did want to be a dancer and thought there's just not enough opportunity here. Right. And so, um, but then, you know, once we got married and we had kids, I was like, why are we leaving St. George right. <laughs> when we moved to Mesa? Even foreign eaters. Yes, yes. So, um, so yeah, coming back, we were super excited to be St. George. I didn't even know at the time that um, they needed to fill the position of artistic director. Um, it just kind of all fell into place at the same time. So definitely, I feel like the timing is right, and, and we're here for the long haul. We want to raise our family here, and so I'm really excited that I get to continue to, to build St. George Dance Company. Well, and of course, being... Uh the artistic director of St. George Dance Company. Um, does this mean that you don't have the time to dance? Are you able to participate as a dancer? I, I know of a lot of artists who they've become the administrator and I watch them 10 years later thinking, I'd really like to go back to doing that. Yeah, uh, definitely. Do you find tensions there? Well, so I actually, at our first audition this season, um, I led the audition and afterwards the the judges and the board that were watching the audition, they said, are you planning to perform? And I said, I'm not sure I'm ready to say I'm just the choreographer and the director. And they said, oh, no, you should you should keep dancing. And so I went ahead and put myself in just one piece for our first show. And at the dress rehearsal, I was going, why did I do that? <laughs> it felt really stressful to get myself on stage, you know, when I was so worried about other things. But of course, in the end, I was so glad that I had done a piece. I thought, OK, next time I'm going to do two pieces. So, right. yeah, I, I'm not ready to hang up my dancer hat but it is it is definitely a, a juggle to be able to do both and that's where we've had a lot of guests on the show who talk about the inspiration of children 
and working with children. We've had a lot of musicians who come on and they, they've started a musical group for kids. You're starting a pedagogy, uh, developing this pedagogy, working with kids at Vista and such. I've always been taken by how you've got to have kind of a childlike attitude towards the arts and let yourself open up. Uh, do you find that as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, in fact, I'm really excited. I have this idea for a class um, that we'd like to start at St. George Dance Company because we're very passionate about spreading the word that dance is for everyone. And so I would like to, uh, we're kind of toying with this class idea where you would basically learn to move your body in the same way that a child would. So obviously, I'm not going to to teach it, you know, we're not going to lay on our backs and pretend that we're shooting arrows with our legs, but I just want to. I don't know. That's my speed. So <laughs> it's more of like it's more like an explorative movement class. So you know, we kind of see if the head leads the movement. How does our movement end up feeling? And then the elbow leads the movement, and that's one way that I love to choreograph, actually. And so I would really love to see if dancers and non-dancers can find joy in that same kind of exploration. Well, I'm going to tell you, as always happens with the show, we are about out of time. Uh, at the end of our second segment here, one thing I do want to make sure we get out there is you mentioned Hope of the World coming yeah. up this event. What are some details about that? Where is it? When is it? What does it cost? So that's actually um, going to be this next weekend. It's December 6th and 7th. So mm -hmm. Friday night show is at 7.30. The Saturday is a matinee at 2 o'clock. It's at the Eccles building here on Dixie State Campus. Um, the pre-show or the pre-sale tickets are $14 and $18 at the door. Fantastic. Well, uh, Jenny Jones, thank you so much for being a guest with me here on On the Arts. Um, it's a pleasure to get to know you, a pleasure to get to hear about St. George Dance Company. And I hope everybody out there will take advantage of the opportunity to see some pretty high-quality dancing out there, from what I can tell. I'm anxious to go see some performing. Also, maybe take some classes. We hope that you keep your ear to the ground for all sorts of artistic opportunities. And I do ask that until you hear from us next, next Tuesday at 4, you keep your focus on the arts. You've been listening to On the Arts with Michael and Christina Harding. Search Facebook, YouTube, Podbean, Spotify for Radio St. George to view video and podcasts of this show or go to RadioStGeorge.com. Join us Tuesdays and Thursdays at 4 for On the Arts on Radio St. George 100.3.